Welcome back, guys, to the Occasional Barista. My name is Chris. And today, for another edition of Coffee Support, we have the lovely and so humble Chris McColl with us today. <laughs> Chris number one, actually. Yes, Chris, yeah. Chris one. I'm Chris two. I'll, I'll admit that right there. But uh, how are you doing, Chris? I'm good, buddy, man. I appreciate you uh, having me back on here, especially to uh, diagnose problems. It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can... Uh, you know, create some creative solutions at, at the yeah. very least for these people. Um, but yeah, all these are basically what we found online. These people are like, these are common problems. Hello, yeah. person who just walked by. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, person who just walked by. And I also have uh, a little cat napper here right oh. on the desk. So yep. yeah, there you trying go. not to disturb <laughs> the children. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. Well, we're going to dive right in to yeah. question number one. So this person recently has been brewing um, very underwhelming coffee on their V60. So both you and I are pretty familiar with that. Um, I would say the person says they've gone through multiple bags of coffee, um, just trying to trying different grinds, different methods. And no matter what, it seems like the coffee is just tasteless. Okay. They um, usually brew a single cup uh, on the V60 using 16 grams of coffee to 250 grams of water. Um, but they've again, they've been trying to vary it. They're grinding with a Sage Breville Dose Control Pro. Okay, so okay. a decent grinder. I can't yeah. really uh, call what I'm experiencing either bitter or sour or just completely lacking in flavor. Could this be due to poor grind quality is their question. Um, so it sounds like let's, let's identify what we have there for information. So we have someone who's tasting lackluster coffee, not tasting anything right there. My, my brain automatically goes to grind finer. If, if yeah. you, if for some reason the amount of contact time with the water that you have is just not long enough, you're going to have thin watery coffee. You can increase contact time by grinding finer. So that would be my first solution to immediately do that. Um, but I think it might be naive to assume that there could be other issues at play. Um, so to further diagnose one, it sounds like you have a good ratio for your coffee, yeah. smaller coffee um, output overall, but um, yeah, you don't have a super watery or light or tea like ratio. So that's great. Um, you have, sounds like you have good equipment. Um, did it say it was a pour over? Yeah. I mean, uh, and what, what was the your V60? Okay. So yeah. they've got a V60. Um, then yeah, I mean, it just, V60 can almost always over extract if you're, if you're not careful. Um, so I feel like it's just grind size. Well, yeah, the thing is weird though, because what they have and the equipment they're using sounds like they have pretty good understanding of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, one of the most popular comments about this thread here was what if the person of course is dealing with um, their COVID positive because that's like the first signs is you're losing taste. I think if we sure. remove that because of this whole pandemic, you know, and everyone's like, please go get yourself checked out and everything, you know, to make sure yeah. they're safe, of course. Um, I think I agree. Like if you go finer, that should essentially help, you know, the water's going to be hitting that coffee for longer. You're going to be extracting a little bit yeah. longer as well. It's going to be running a little slower. My, my go-to is like, what if they're not using a hot enough water? You know, that's just not extracting out enough. Maybe they're not going all the way up to boiling like 200. It, it, it would have to be incredibly cool though, like yeah. to not get any, any water. I mean, your water would have to be like, and we should test this. This would be interesting to find out uh, actual results. But I bet even if your water was like 130 degrees, that you could still get more flavor than what this person's <laughs> describing, honestly. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, what they should do is grind finer. Um, and I would actually take a step back. What they should do first is get a journal. You need to write this yeah. down. You know, yeah. you can't, it, you, you need to be able to quantify what you're finding and experiencing in some way, shape or form so that you can replicate and improve. Because if you come up with something good, you're like, oh, well, I, I figured it out. But what did you, you know, you figured it out that moment. But if you haven't actually taken any notes or, or um, you know, have like set up any methods to replicate that, then you're going to be out of luck, you know? Yeah. Um, I know on some grinders, I don't think this one, I'm not familiar with it personally, but I know on some grinders, you know, um, the dial shifts or the dial changes, depending on what coffees you're using. Um, maybe someone else is using your grinder and grinding different types of coffees. There's tons of variables that come with that stuff, but yeah. grab a, grab a journal and finder, <laughs> write down what happens. Happy day. Yeah, I know. I, it's, they didn't give enough information. Cause I was like, yeah. what if it's just a really poorly like whoever they're buying their coffee from, maybe it's home roasted and they just don't Actually, know. Actually, yeah, but, see, that's, that's, you know. that's another variable. Maybe they yeah. do have a really bad coffee. Um, yeah, just in general, you know. Yeah. I, I've, I've tasted a lot of coffees, uh, especially recently for people who are trying to jump into coffee roasting for the first time. They're aiming for very light roasts, but they have no idea what that actually looks like in terms of roasting. Um, and so when you underdevelop coffees, not just like underdevelop it, in terms of a percentage, but clearly under roast it, you get very like watery vegetal. It tastes like <laughs> herba mate, but oh, weak. Oh yeah. Um, oh my gosh. And yeah. yeah, when you get that out of coffee, obviously you can kind of distinguish why if your coffee's like yellow rather than brown. Um, but yeah, that would be the other thing. So, and I think we hopefully has have solved that issue. Um, yeah. We're going to move on to the second question, and this is going to be completely a whole different kind of shifting over is somebody asked, what is the difference between the milk froth with a steam wand and the milk froth with a milk frother, such as an Aerochino? And because they're kind of trying to break down what, what should they be using, you know, for basically like they want to make home lattes, essentially. Um, What are the, what are the benefits of having a steam wand versus the Aerochino? Um, I mean, the, Actual viable methods to have a steam wand at home without having to spend a ridiculous amount of money, um, there's really not a lot. That's something that is just very difficult to replicate. You're talking about an espresso machine, you know, in a, in a commercial sense, an espresso machine that has a massive boiler that can generate lots of pressure, lots of steam very fast, uh, very powerfully, which definitely affects the consistency of the milk. So there's really nothing like that can quite, you know, replicate that. You can get close. Mm-hmm. You can use a frother at home. Even I have a hand frother. So when I want to make yeah. uh, my girlfriend a latte, I can use the hand frother to get something pretty close. There have been times where I've actually been able to pour latte art, a semblance of like a heart or something, but never the exact same <laughs> consistency. That so. faint resemblance of like those two yeah. little, you know... <laughs> Maybe peach butt cheeks of a yeah. <laughs> now you, you'd be impressed. I mean, it works better with thicker oat milks like yeah. uh, Oatly, which has a ton of oil in it, really just fatty and 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 thick. It's perfect for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you're using anything thinner, you probably won't get any latte art at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, people have used French presses, and then you just keep frothing it. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, there's tons of different things. Obviously, I I am total agreement with you. I mean, you can't beat a steam wand where you have just it's honestly half of it's about control you yeah. know just control it's gonna be that much easier i mean any of these other things you're gonna have to keep checking it you know and you're like all right i don't know and every single time it's not going to be that same muscle memory movement yeah 
So if you have a chance to have a, of course, a steam wand, yeah, go for the steam wand. I, I think at a, at a, it just like a base level, each of those processes are different. You talk yeah. about top tier, which is a steam wand, middle tier, which is like a, you know, some kind of hand frother and then bottom tier, which is using your French press to yeah. kind of actually emulsify. It's not really frothing yeah. your milk. It It's frothy for like a second, but it immediately starts to settle. So what a steam wand does is it interjects, it incorporates air into the milk, thus mm -hmm. stretching it. And so you'll notice over time after you have a latte, if you don't do anything to it, you just let it sit, all those bubbles settle out and you're losing like an inch of essentially what looked like your beverage. Yeah. Um, and that's because the air is dissipating from the coffee, uh, from mm -hmm. the milk itself. Um, and then with a pan frother, again, you're frothing it up so you get better consistency than a French press, but mm -hmm. not consistency like a steam wand, which will last in your beverage. Yeah. So really a hand frother, all it's going to do is give you a frothy top. And that's great for like, you know, a TikTok video or a nice picture. <laughs> oh, there's my, my other one too. Oh yeah. you're. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, there's just, it's a night and day difference. Um, I think that's definitely one of the few pieces of equipment besides a grinder um, where you just, you really can't skimp out on or, or try to replicate. Yeah. Okay. And not to vary too far off of the topics today, but uh, have you seen the new trend that everyone's been posting? They use it um, basically like whether they're at a, a shop themselves or they have like an espresso at home where they've been putting, of course, like a piece of chocolate to make mochas essentially uh, yep. with their espresso shots. What is your opinion on that? What is your opinion? Just like, yeah. Uh, hey, as long as you're paying fair prices for coffee, you can shove it up your butt for all I care. <laughs> Just... That like do do the one thing right and you can do whatever you want. You can turn a $25 bag. You can go buy a geisha and turn it into a coffee scrub for your face. I don't care. Just pay a fair price for coffee. Uh, if you want to put white chocolate in there, if you literally want to make coffee and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't care what you put in it. You know, butter, ghee, anything. Just, just as pay, long pay as you're putting prices. that money. Yeah. 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 Okay. You know and I just did a whole episode on the podcast, the one right before this episode about like how crazy it is. <laughs> Sean triggered. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't. <laughs> and for those of you who are just listening to the podcast, we're on Instagram live right now doing a live, uh, you know, feed of what the recording process looks like for the podcast. But yeah, um, some of our viewers on the live stream, of course, are <laughs> a little triggered by that. One of our good friends, Sean, um, who is a customer at Ayosa, uh, shout out to Sean. Um, yeah, he's a little bit triggered, more of a pure standpoint, I would say. And I'm not going to lie, when I see sometimes those videos on TikTok, I'm like, ooh, I, I hope, you know, yeah, if you have an espresso at home, which it, it makes subpar coffee anyways, you know, and you try that, I'm like, yeah, maybe a little chocolate would make it taste a thousand times better. But yeah. when I see these, you know, baristas and shops and stuff, I'm like, oh, it's, it, to me, it's just a little bit gimmicky where I'm like, all right, sure. You know, whatever, whatever sells, I guess. That's like the whole idea behind like affogados, you know, it's like, yeah, ice cream. It tastes you good. know, I think, I think there will always be different tiers of, uh, of quality. You know, there's always going to be those waves of coffee, even if we don't want to. Um, and so that's, that's going to be a tricky one to navigate, but yeah, it's like, um, maybe, maybe it's almost like trying to communicate with people about politics. You know, you're not gonna, yeah. you're not gonna do it by kicking down the door. So, you know, yeah, I wouldn't want to necessarily just melt some cheap, you know, white chocolate Oreo bars into my espresso in the morning. Yeah. Um, but if you like to do that from time to time, great. Like I said, just pay fair prices for, you know, good sustainable coffee and wear square. All right. Back to coffee support. We're going on to our third question here. 
what is the ideal time to make coffee out of freshly roasted beans? So this person ordered a couple 12 ounce bags of beans from their local roaster. A, if they're ordering a couple 12 ounce bags, A, that's awesome. And I hope you can get through it. For me personally, I'm a single person. I know I have to like find creative ways to get through yeah. a whole bag of coffee, but um, we're going to continue on. I received from today, the 24th, and noticed that the roast date on both bags was the 23rd. It's said to drink after, so props to whoever's their roaster, drink after November 26th, okay? Well, now not I, really. Well, you know, you know what? Okay, I, we'll I get into that. that. We'll get into that. We're going to get into that. But I, I appreciate, though, that they are keeping in mind there is, you know, some time of day, not day, but after the roast process. Good to delay it, yeah. Heat, you know, um, in regards to the flavor. So now I don't doubt that you should drink them when it tells me to, but... But I'm glad they're kind of doubting it. But um, why is that the case? What will they taste like if I drink them today versus um, do the flavors change over, of course, the course of those three days? And I think, of course, we all know, you know, it is and then it, 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 coffee's constantly changing. Yeah. But um, they said people talked online, letting your beans rest a few days after roasting them. I'm just wondering why I should let me know. Okay, Sweet. you can you could start breaking that down. This is an it, onion of a question that we're gonna yeah, it is. Uh, I think this is a monumental question though for getting real enjoyment mm -hmm. and finding like very memorable experiences out of your coffee. So uh, my number one rule is don't drink coffee that's younger than two weeks, <laughs> like. Younger than two weeks. And even then that's pushing it. Honestly, I really like finding a good sweet spot, which is variable for every single coffee out there, two to four weeks. Yeah. Sometimes it can be longer than that. Like, and I've, I've enjoyed coffees months after their, you know, expiration date or months after their original roast date. And they were still phenomenal and, and just memorable experiences for me. Quick question um, so, though, really quick. Yeah. Those months after, um, what were you preserving the coffee in, if that makes any sense? Like, how were you trying to keep them as fresh as possible after the months? Or were you just letting them air out? Um, I have had coffees just air out and still yeah. had great experiences with them. Um, definitely not as sharp as more freshly roasted, obvious, mm -hmm. um, but still had great experiences. So I, I think there is a huge stigma about if it's not, you're not drinking it like right after roast day, then it's not fresh. Mm -hmm. And there is a thing that's, you know, it's everything in, um, uh, what's the way, you know, everything with balance, right? Yeah. Like you got to approach it. Um, there's some sort of middle ground for it. So like fresh is great, but too fresh is actually bad. And yeah. yeah, if you let it go stale, then that's obviously bad, but you can drink it a month after and still find like real enjoyment out of it. So, um, yeah, yeah you, you, you know, like you said, coffee's changing, it's an organic matter and it still is actually it's, it's a decaying organic matter, um, at the point of being roasted mm -hmm. and, um, it is going to lose quality over time, but yeah. there's, there's a lot of science going on inside that bean, even after it comes out of a roaster. And that's what people don't understand. And it's a really difficult thing to communicate, let alone put on a bag of coffee. So. Yeah. So in, in, in regards to, of course, uh, the actual, uh, what this person was asking about. So what would you have put on the bag for this person if they roasted it, of course, on um, the 23rd and they said drink after the 26th, which they gave them three days. Yeah. What would you say your ideal time to start drinking coffee is for those people listening right now? Yeah, it would be two weeks. Two Wait weeks. two weeks. It's so it's it's very difficult to do. You have to be intentional about it. So obviously mm -hmm. you're like, you know, you don't have to go and buy coffee uh, every single day because you've got to sit on your bag and let it degas. Like you can still try and enjoy it. I just find that you're going to get much more clarity, much more enjoyment. Um, 
and much more consistency actually yeah. out of every cup that you enjoy when it's degassed for about two weeks. Yeah. Now, different coffees, you know, have different times. It could be 10 days and not exactly two weeks, but two weeks is like a safe window to start enjoying. Yeah. Um, I'm going to answer Sean's question. Real exactly. Quickly. I saw that too. At most canisters. Um, I do have the fellow canisters. I've got two of them and I think they're phenomenal. Um, I think what I'm still trying to understand and I haven't found um, a consistent like uh, answer for this question, but the, when the coffee beans are still degassing in these canisters that are airtight, cause like they can still give off CO2. Yeah. Are they still losing flavor? And is all that flavor lost as soon as I open the canister? even though it's holding it in great. Right. Um, I don't know. It's tough. It's, um, it's worth trying. I mean, yeah. I put them in the canister. Yeah. Air, any airtight, um, not to vary too far off, but I have coffee in just little soup containers like this, like those yeah. old plastic soup containers or a lot of people, uh, chefs will use it for like meal prep. Um, yeah, I'm holding my coffee in there. I had a bag I didn't properly cut it because I was, I was too excited. I didn't struggle, like, yeah. Rip the thing open, and I was like, "Oh, oh no." Okay, well now I need to put this somewhere. I have a ton of it because I do a lot of cooking. So yeah, it's like throw it in there. Why not? Absolutely. Um, I mean, even a plastic bag is great. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's lots of discussion still. Uh, I don't think there's any one concisive answer about freezing Ooh, your coffee unless yeah. you're vacuum sealing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's always interesting to see kind of what what new trends pop up and why. Though there is obviously a, a desire to preserve coffee and I think any effort is good effort. So I was going to say though, I think there's a consensus though, no refrigerator, don't put in your fridge anywhere that's going to create water and moisture because of like the humidity inside of it. Like, well, yeah, you, you can create condensation and then that's correct. where it's going to start. Depending on the container yeah. that you have it sealed in. Yeah. You yeah. can create condensation. Um, and it also just depends on how cold your fridge is. So it's, exactly. it's a gamble unless you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Freezer would always be best or just yeah. keeping it, you know, Out. in a cupboard. Mm -hmm. Also, that means again, no direct sunlight. Cause again, the whole idea behind condensation. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to move on to the next question here and it says when to change grind or change brewing time. So this is, I thought was kind of interesting. So, uh, they say, uh, I'm a coffee noob, so I don't know much. So if I say something and it's wrong, it's just because of what I've read. It's okay. We're all learning. Yeah, that's We're how, learning that's, every day. That's the entire industry, buddy. Welcome yeah. to it. <laughs> so I was dealing in my new grinder last night, dialing, okay, dialing in my new grinder last night and um, looking at a coffee compass. My drink was too sour. So I was making the grind finer to get back in the middle, they would say, but under the key, it says to get the taste back into the center before it hits uh, on bitter. And you can do it via the grind setting, which was working as I could taste it was less sour or via brew time. So my question is at what point or how do I know whether to adjust brew time or grind to affect the taste? Is there a point if I go too fine, I will start to lose other tastes. And that is when you leave the grind setting alone and adjust brew or what? So they're kind of just trying to balance out when they're dialing in coffees, brew time versus grind time, yeah. size and like what to do there. Traditional, very classic issue that people face. Um, one, I would just start off by saying like, it's subjective. Like yeah. if you're not enjoying your cup, find out why specifically you're not enjoying your cup and then diagnose those issues. So you said sour. And if it's like some people can have some sour coffee uh, and that could be pleasant to them. And, and yeah. you know, depending on what they're doing with that coffee, like that, that acidity that's currently present may just be fine. 
Um, so to each their own, like I said, pay fair prices. I don't care how you brew your coffee or enjoy it. Um, but if you want to remove that sourness, yeah, it could be that your dose is too high, that your grind is too fine. Um, there's different variables that are in your technique. What you can do though is take notes and try different things like you have and figure out just what you like. It may not be, you know, scientifically the best cup. Um, but yeah. if you enjoy it, that's, what's going to matter. Yeah. And, and, and again, I, I think that's important too, because some people, I think one thing they might get themselves into, especially when you're going to a specialty coffee shop, you're buying coffee from a roaster, like we just talked about, it might be super freshly roasted and they're just throwing it in the grinder. Like these are yeah. all different variables that you got to think Stuff. about here. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important just because you might've brewed yourself a bad cup. Okay. Doesn't mean, you know, these bags of beans are throwaway. And to go a step further, it also means though too, like if you're really enjoying a coffee and you keep the same setting, you brew it the same exact way as you did before and you're finding, wow, it doesn't taste as good. It's because again, you need to be flexible and you need to start being able to adapt to the coffee as it's changing over time. Yeah. Um, would you give any rules of thumb to people who are listening though? Like, yeah, if it's freshly roasted, you didn't wait your two weeks, what would you do about it? Because you need coffee now. What you can do is you can grind it and you can uh, let it degas. When you grind something like that, you're increasing the surface area and also you're just completely, you know, destroying the, the, the bean itself, right? Grinding it and exposing it and you're increasing how fast it can degas. I don't know what the threshold is, but I say I would bet that if you actually were taking notes and you tried your coffee one day and it was sour, then the next day you tried it the exact same way, except what you do is you ground it and let it sit for five minutes. I bet you might have a better cup of coffee or at least a very different cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, and that's even more so true. The finer your grind is, the finer it is like the more air is exposed and yep. So that could be something that uh, could very much change your cup of coffee. And I'm glad you actually brought that up. I didn't really consider that or mention that just because I never really drink super fresh coffee. Yeah. But this person could have had this issue simply because they're drinking coffee like the day it was roasted. Exactly. And that would be the fix. So yeah. it sounds like they have enough knowledge to navigate otherwise. Mm -hmm. And they didn't mention anything about that information. So, Well, what, what I thought it was pleasant to hear that they were actually sitting in front of a like a flavor wheel or basically yeah. the same way if you're dealing with wine, you're dealing with, you know, beers, you know, and it, right. that's just going to help you kind of identify flavors and then where to go from there. You know, right. if you're finding too many flavors, that's more near that acidic kind of more brighter notes. Okay. Then maybe you're going to adjust this way to kind of bring it back towards a note that's a little bit sweeter or a little bit more mellow. And I, I appreciate yeah. that. I thought for the person who was like, Oh, don't get on my kid. I'm like, dude, you're doing just fine. You're getting there one step at a time and right. uh, you're doing better than most. I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're, if you have the ability to be aware enough that you are not very capable at this thing and you're like, okay, let me get better oriented, AKA using some other skill or knowledge that's already out there, then yeah, you're, you're a step ahead of the rest. So that's huge. Um, and this, this is a little bit more specific, but I think we could maybe start, uh, like you could broaden this question a little bit more, but they were, the question was confused about adjusting grind setting and purging on the Baratza Encore. So, I mean, obviously about, uh, well, I'll continue and I'll add my two cents in regards to this, but, um, I was reading over the Baratza blogs and ran into this article about purging while adjusting grind setting. They recommend you grind coffee through the machine while adjusting your grind. They also recommend purging for five seconds to remove any retained grounds. Um, does this entail in some beans how much is enough? 
um, turning on the grinder making the adjustment and then waiting until five seconds or do you make the adjustment first and then turn on the grinder a bit confused i know doing it incorrectly can shorten the lifespan of the grinder we'd we'll love to hear what other folk do so well let me start off by saying that uh i think what you should pay more attention to and what should be more of a priority and this is my personal bias and opinion is wasting coffee you yeah. don't need to waste coffee like, why are you stressing so hard to make, you know, like expert professional level competition coffee? Mm -hmm. Like, don't, don't, don't waste, you know, don't, don't, don't clear your grinder for five seconds and grind a bunch of coffee just so you can toss it out. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know that's what Baratza says, and that's probably for best use. Yeah. And you don't have to aim for best use all the time, especially mm -hmm. when it's going to cost your your wallet right so yeah. i would say not not to stress about that um if you're taking really diligent notes and trying to create consistency and you want to try that and experiment hell yeah, yeah totally totally go for it um but don't put so much pressure on it and be like i need to use it this one way because too many people in coffee already do that yeah. um which is really like while this industry is going very fast i think it's also very much like slowed down this industry in terms of potential growth um so yeah like don't don't stress about it as much as you are. I think you should just take it easy and, and go from there. So again, though, to still answer the question, so then what would you do when you're adjusting a grind setting? Let's say the day yeah. before you noticed, hey, okay, running way too fast through my pour over. Most likely they're, they're using it for a pour over, I hope. Right. So what would you do? How are you going to adjust it to go a little bit more finer? Yeah, I mean, I th I think what they were concerned about is like whether or not there's that consistency. Like, you don't have to waste a bunch of coffee to do it. I, th from my experience, using that same grinder for probably two or three years now, yeah, I was about to say, and, and maintaining it pretty well. Yeah. Um, I I've never really experienced that issue. In fact, there have been times where I have, I recall, and this is like horror story. I have dramatically shifted the grind size of the coffee because I was grinding on the wrong setting you know, started grinding on like espresso and was like, oh crap, it's on espresso and immediately flipped it over for a French press. That's something you definitely shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, but I've done things like that and that grinder took the beating and yeah. um, still functions great. So I don't think you need to go that extreme. Obviously, um, yeah, if you, if you want, uh, in loose terms, if you want to get more flavor, more extraction, you can grind finer. Um, yeah. And I believe that is shifting the grinder specifically on this Baratza, uh, clockwise yeah, and counterclockwise to go coarser. Um, so yeah, lots more flavor, more extraction, which could lead to other negative things or maybe less flavor, less bold, a little bit lighter, which could obviously have its downsides too. Yeah. So no, left I, and right. I agree. I mean, especially coming from two people, I've used the Baratza Encore when I was doing the whole thing, uh, helping out Corsa Luso, which was that coffee, Ooh. cars and like coffee enthusiasts. I was using that just to make pour over after pour over. And we ran so much coffee through that thing. It's yeah. a workhorse. Yeah. I mean, you, do, you uh, in regards to, I don't think he's even had that grinder, the guy who I was partnering up with, he didn't even have that grinder for like, I think it was like three years or something crazy. And he hasn't right. like changed anything on it. Um, so, I mean, as long as like you're doing like semi, you know, like maintenance, like yeah. wiping down, you know, just making sure every once in a while, check your burrs, make sure they're okay. But for the most part, but then again, he's not using it for espresso or anything crazy, right. you know, just pour overs, but man, I think that thing, that, and it, it doesn't really yeah. hold on to coffee. Like whatever you throw yeah. in is going to come out and there's like yeah. a small, maybe a small percentage of stuff that is just left behind yeah. and you can clear that out with an air canister. 
Yeah, uh, that's your maintenance right there. As long as you're mm -hmm. wiping and using an air canister and just getting out old coffee so it's not sitting and collecting yeah. moisture, uh, you're gonna be fine. So yeah, you don't have to do any kind of purging. You don't have to waste a bunch of coffee. I mean, feel free to go f go wild if you want. <laughs> um, I just think it's not necessarily uh, uh, an evil that you have to take on. So. Yeah, sorry, I just got received a phone call. <laughs> oh, all good, all good. I, I don't think I noticed any skips in the service. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, we're going to move on. Uh, and this is... All right. All right, guys, sorry for the delay. Of course, as always, there's <laughs> there's some sort of uh, crazy Tech technical yep, yeah. technical difficulties. That's like, that's <sighs> the moral of the story. Oh, my gosh. Okay, is that Brewer or Cortado? This is Cortado, my, my eldest. He loves to oh, be held like this. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> He's oh. my conversation piece, you know? He does all the talking for me. Yeah, see, that's the one thing I'm missing. I need to, I need to invest in a, a, a pet. A, or a, a fur baby. Basically, yep. I need to have my own mascot for the podcast. Uh, dude, you're a corgi, dude. I could see it. Corgi? No, yeah. dude. I'm, I'm honestly Lobo surprised. Sh Shiba Inu? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Dude, little yes. doggy, yeah, that'd oh, be 100%. And okay, well, I don't know how much, and I'll go back in the editing, but uh, can someone explain to me what saving the shot and our dead shot means? Um, yeah. just to kind of go over it quickly, I'll summarize. So, basically, the person's now getting bar trained. Um, their practice, the clearly, whoever's trading them says that uh, you should only be pulling um, freshly extract, extracted shots of espresso. Oh, wait a minute. This is weird, actually. Our practice is never to put a freshly extracted shot of espresso in a cup. Interesting. Yeah. No, without, that's a fair practice. Without at least a little bit of hot milk or hot water, or in the case of an iced Americano, is a bit of water in the cup first. We are told that putting the shot onto a substrate like that saves the shot from dying if it were just tossed in an empty cup. Is there anything legit about this, or is this practice entirely arbitrary and has nothing to do with the quality of our espresso? All right, ready? So, yeah. again, I think this comes to uh, a quality level thing. If you're making competition level coffee, then I would say yes. You want to do every single nuanced thing in order to increase the consistency, the experience, and your overall success. Um, you, as a business owner, as a company, as you know, a team of employees, should decide, hey, do our customers actually care about this one nuanced thing that we're doing at the end of the day? And yeah. then evaluate whether or not that's actually something serving your business. If you're a specialty coffee bar that is striving to serve the best damn coffee all the time and be known for just that, uh, or not just that, but primarily that, um, you know, better, better than the rest, so to speak, in terms of technical skill, then sure, that sounds like it would have value to you. If you actually sell more food than you do coffee and people enjoy your coffee, but they're not ranting and raving about it, then I wouldn't recommend doing this because I don't think it's going to make a big enough difference for you. Yeah. So technically, I believe with the shot of espresso, after it's been poured, crema rises to the top. The crema, while it's dissipating, is also a protective seal for the rest of the flavor and temperature of yeah. the coffee underneath. But again, we're talking just like hairs, fractions of a difference, you know? Um, so again, if you're using it for competition, like great. Yeah. Preserve that. If you're not, I wouldn't be stressing about it. I definitely prefer personally in my own shop to make sure that when we're finishing extracting the coffee that yeah. we're pairing it with something quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's not like make or break for me. Um, 
And then I guess to touch on the other part of the question was the dead shot, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody has their own definition of dead shots. I think there's one that's pretty common, and that's just calling a shot dead, meaning not to use it. Yep. So let's say you've got two people on your espresso bar. I'm the one that pulls the shots. Chris is the one that's steaming the milk. I pull a shot. I go to pull another one, and I notice that one's just pouring bad. Yeah. You know, for any number of reasons, maybe I can visibly see channeling, or maybe it's just going incredibly slow, and I know the parameters will ultimately be off. It could be any of those issues, and I could tell Chris, hey, that's a dead shot. Yeah. We want to let that shot continue to run through the espresso machine so that it's easier to actually clean out and mm -hmm. then just focus on prepping another one that isn't going to be a dead shot. Yeah. Um, alternatively, maybe I left, let a shot sit there for you know, a minute, walked away and had to help a customer who spilled something and we go back to the bar to make drinks, I would say, oh, that's a dead shot, dead shot. Yeah. that you could toss it out. Yeah. So I, I would say that's how it's used. Some people can change the definition of dead shot. So for example, it sounds like this person is experiencing that if a shot doesn't immediately go into something, mm -hmm. um, then it would be considered a dead shot. And yeah. that's a pretty extreme case, again, to each their own. I just don't feel like that's making a substantial difference for you. Well, what's, what's interesting to me is kind of how they worded basically uh, our practice is never to put a freshly extracted shot of espresso in a cup. Okay. Well, I mean, I've done that before, but obviously I might preheat the cup. Is that what they're basically saying? Like, yeah. So like that could be what they're not telling us is like maybe yeah. the preference is preheating the cup, you know, yeah. not pouring into something that's going to shock the temperature. That's the maybe, only thing I was thinking about. Maybe the about, cheap yeah. cups that you're using, you know, they're oftentimes wax lined. Yeah. Maybe they're worried about that coming off and affecting the taste of the espresso. Mm -hmm. Again, all super small nuances yeah. that at the end of the day, they probably don't notice, especially when they've got a syrup in their cup. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I it's mean, like yeah. you can give a better experience, uh, do it in a more timely fashion rather than worrying, a new, worrying about a nuance like this. That yeah, sense. I mean, we're always using those little ramekins, those glass pours that we right. pull shots in. So I guess maybe that's what they're basically saying. Uh, at first glance, though, I was like, what do you, so are you letting shots sit? Uh, like, and that's what they mean by never using yeah. a friend. I mean, yeah. I mean, what what would be your timeline though for somebody who's just starting off being bar trained and everything? If the person doesn't go over, how much time do you would you allow a shot to sit before you're putting in a drink to start pouring milk into? What, what would it be? Um, well, I think it What's your, it depends. Like stop time it, for for me. It's going to be different because we're going to dial in espresso different. Um, so yeah. we'll have espresso dialed in specifically for lattes and milk based drinks. Yeah. Um, which means. We actually want to preserve the crema on those because the crema is going to be important in punching through that amount yeah. of milk. However, if we're not doing that, then letting it rest is good because technically crema is the worst tasting part of coffee. It helps mm -hmm. with balance, but if we're trying to just provide a very stellar cup of coffee, we're going to tweak it and remove some of the strength of that crema by letting it rest before yeah. we put it into water, milk, etc. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, if I wanted to get that particular, that's that's how I would approach it for my shop. But I mean, I, again, it's it's to each their own. It's really preference. Yeah. I, I mean, you could you could have it be five seconds, like I said, something very quickly, or you can be like, okay, nothing past thirty seconds, a minute. Um, just depends how you're feeling. Awesome. Well, that exhausts the questions on this coffee support today. Obviously, um, yeah, thank you for answering all these questions, giving some words of advice. Hopefully, that helps out those. Um, who had these questions or if you're at home and you're listening, uh, hopefully this episode kind of helps you actually get around some of those little barriers that you've been experiencing on your coffee journey. Um, thank you again to Chris McCall from Little Lunch Coffee. Um, 
And again, when, when is Little Lunch supposed to be out? Yeah, so Little Lunch over on Venice Beach, California. Uh, we are slated for opening somewhere between January and February. We've got mm-hmm. a lot of construction going on that's just mandatory. Can't get around it, even though our coffee bar is pretty much up and running. You know, I'm there most days just kind of hanging out, working in our space. So um, we're, we're waiting to see kind of where everything lands. Permits are moving along smoothly. So if everything goes well, uh, February at the latest. And then where can they get updates about Little Lunch Coffee? Obviously, I think you guys have a social media site yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, I, uh, our social media site, we haven't, we haven't done a lot of work on social media yet, but you can follow me personally on Instagram at the Coffee Warlock. Pretty straightforward, hopefully. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, Little Lunch is Instagram, websites. It's Little Lunch, Little Lunch Coffee. Um, so, yeah. I would say, and definitely for those of you who are listening, who's, of course, Chris McCall is a returning guest. Um, if you guys enjoyed his insights and you want to f- kind of hear a little bit more, of course, follow him on uh, the Coffee Warlock and Instagram, as well as him and his business partner or manager, uh, Jordan, right are hand. starting to do morning is it tuesdays what what dates are you guys doing yeah so right now we're, we're creating a little coffee community for anybody to join in at any given time and we're doing coffee chats on instagram live every tuesday thursday and friday starting at nine until about nine thirty. so if anybody else wants to join and expand that or set up a different time connect with us you can join the google calendar it sends you notifications links in the bio on instagram pretty easy to find Awesome. Well, again, thank you again to Chris McCall. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, as always, if you're following Chris McCall on Instagram, definitely go check out the occasional Barista on Instagram. That's who will find out any news. Um, you'll find the live stream that we just did of this specific episode on there as well. Um, and again, we're hoping to post, I was a little late today on the usual posting time of 7am, but we're going to try to get back on the schedule. And uh, I hope everyone stays safe out there and has a happy holiday. Thank you. Take care, guys.